It's Monday, November 14th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> uh, Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, was on CNBC this morning. So we're going to spend our time today talking about his comments. Um, we will talk stocks in a moment, but let's start with his comments on Europe. Um, Joe, I know you are a, a Buffettologist. You've been to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Uh, I'd so- like to deny the Buffettologist <laughs> thing, but it's true. I am a sad junkie. Um, uh, silly me. I thought in the wake of Italy and Greece getting some new leadership um, that maybe things were starting to turn a corner in Europe. Um, Buffett on CNBC this morning said that uh, it's not clear that Europe has the will or the ability to do whatever it takes to resolve the debt crisis. That sounds pretty bad. Why is he so pessimistic? Well, I'd say we are – the things you mentioned are a step in terms of turning the corner, but the corner is really long. It's like, <laughs> it's like the Grand Canyon of corners. It's really deep. Uh, you know, he's, he's right, and it's going to take a lot of um, posturing that takes place first. I mean, you look at the United States. We've got one government that can't manage to get its books balanced. And I mean, think about the whole debt crisis that we just had. We're about to go through another one because the super committee isn't able to come to a a resolution. And this is just one country. When you're dealing with Europe, you're going to have to come to all these people dealing with individual problems, who's going to bail out one another and the greater EU issues. Charlie, are you more optimistic than Mr. Buffett, or are you about where he is as well? I I might even be more pessimistic than Buffett. (laughs) But uh, Europe has to overhaul essentially their entire society. And, you know, some of the hiring practices, the social, you know, the cradle to grave social benefits. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot that needs to change that doesn't just happen over the course of a weekend when you swap out your prime minister. All right. Let's uh, get to the stocks that Buffett touched on. And uh, he made headlines by revealing that over the last two quarters, Berkshire Hathaway has bought more than $10 billion worth of IBM stock. Um, I know I was surprised by this because I remember in the late 90s when Buffett famously sat on the sidelines and said, I'm not getting into the technology stocks. What, what's different this time around? Why IBM? Yeah, so this was surprising and not surprising. I'd say it was not a surprise in that the size was about right, so about $10, 11000000000 billion, considering they've got a couple dozen billion in cash, and they're piling up more every month. And it also fits a general pattern with Buffett, where he wants to take large bites of companies with durable advantages. And I think when you look at IBM versus a, a Dell or an HP, we're basically trying to follow in IBM's footsteps, IBM has a century's worth of innovation behind it. Uh, they've been the leader in patent acceptances at the Patent and Trade Office across the street from us for 18 years running. Uh, last year, they had a record. They had 5,800 patents that were accepted or approved, I should say, which is a whole, whole lot of patents. Uh, you know, for perspective, the Nortel deal that recently went through was for 6,000 patents, and that was a deal that garnered them about $4.5 billion. So, where I'm, I guess, long story short... It's a company that's proven it can innovate across long time horizons, and they are way out in front in terms of serving people on mainframes and kind of the backbone of the digital economy. Does that surprise you about the patents, though? I mean, I know we talked recently about IBM and the track record it's had over the last 15 to 18 years. Um, It really has been a market-beating stock for investors. But even with that in mind, I still don't think of IBM as an 
a company that is innovating on that level, and when I hear things like that about how many patents they're they're getting approved every year, that really does speak to that. I mean, Charlie, I know you look at sort of the you know the rule breaking universe of stocks as well, cutting edge technology companies. Did that surprise you about IBM? Uh, no, because they had Watson. <laughs> uh, so it, you know, there's a public demonstration of great work that they're doing that you know yep. those of us on the street outside the company may not be aware of. But no, it's not surprising that they're that innovative. What is surprising, and you know, Joe hits on a lot of points why IBM's a great tech business. But there's been you know tons of great tech businesses across the 40 or 50 years. Warren Buffett's been an investor, and it seems like a real change in his mindset to finally step in big. And um, it's a curious choice. I mean, not saying it's a bad choice. It's just curious given his you know profound, you know, philosophy to stay away from tech. Right. And, and I think it's not so much tech at like, that's what's typically applied to this space, but it's the ability or the need to adapt. And so IBM has proven again and again that it can adapt with the times, but he typically likes businesses that don't ever have to face that. So yeah, the business that never has to adapt. Right. Railroads, Coca-Cola, that kind of thing. One of the technology companies um, you could have been referring to, Charlie, over the last 40 years is Microsoft. And Buffett said on CNBC this morning that he would not invest in Microsoft because of his close friendship with Bill Gates. Is that – I'm not doubting him uh, about his friendship with Gates, Joe, but um, I'm wondering to what extent do you think that is also a convenient excuse that maybe he doesn't think Microsoft is worth investing $10 billion in, in the way that he was with, uh, with IBM? It could be both. I definitely would be a little – put off if they invested in Microsoft because they are so chummy. And it's not that I don't trust Buffett, but it would definitely be iffy, I would say. And there would be perception perception issues. And to be honest, you know, you look at a Microsoft versus an IBM, you know, Microsoft has a mile-wide moat. They make tons of money, and I think they're probably going to last longer than people expect. But when you compare their history versus IBM, IBM's pedigree is amazing, and they've proven that they can adapt with the times and you know, I don't think Microsoft has quite established that yet. IBM got the headlines in terms of what Buffett was buying, but uh, Buffett also shared that Berkshire Hathaway has increased its stake in Wells Fargo. Now, earlier this year, there was the uh, the big stake in Bank of America, the preferred shares that, that Buffett got. Um, we've talked in this room countless times before about big banks and how hard it is to really get a handle on the books. Um, were you surprised by the increased stake in Wells Fargo? And uh, regardless of whether or not you were surprised, what does it say about Wells Fargo's business that Buffett is plunking down additional money for it? Yeah, I wasn't surprised. I mean, Wells Fargo is known for being one of the two most conservatively run best banks. It's, I'd say up there with U.S. Bank Corp, which they're also in. Um, Buffett loves Wells Fargo, and last quarter it was selling at an average price of one times book value, which, you know, for a very well-run bank is a pretty sweet price. Mm-hmm. So if you're a long-term holder, which Buffett and Berkshire are or is, uh, you know, that's a great little entry point. And, you know, as far as a comment about the overall space, you know, yeah, maybe. I think when you combine that with the Bank of America position, it's pretty clear that he thinks that high-quality banks – are on sale. How you could sit here and argue about <laughs> whether Bank of America that, yeah. is high quality. I think par- parts of Bank of America are high quality. It's large deposit base is high quality, and there's a lot of value for that. And that's why he stepped in and you know got a sweetheart deal that the rest of us couldn't get. He didn't buy the common, right? Get the preferred with the warrants. 
Um, Charlie, stepping back from these individual investments that Buffett has made, uh, to what extent do you think uh, it is a stamp of approval uh, for companies when Buffett is buying their shares? And, and to what extent is that stamp of approval useful? For uh, I, On the one hand, I could see a CEO being very proud of the fact that Berkshire Hathaway has taken a stake in, in his or her company and maybe touting that to the board of, the, of directors. On the other hand, Maybe it's just one of those things that's nice and nothing more. It's like a Zagat rating for blue chip companies. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> or maybe, you know, it's like rich guy social proof. Oh, Warren Buffett bought it and it must yeah. be good. I think there is, especially with a company like Bank of America, that is going to have to raise capital uh, when Warren Buffett comes in first. I mm-hmm. think it does help them uh, raise money down the road. Um, but we never recommend individual investors follow famous fund managers or famous people like Warren Buffett into stocks without doing their own research and deciding if the stock is right for them. And often, we because we can't match the term somebody like Warren Buffett gets or the access to information. So it has to make sense on its own merits. It is nice to get some confirmation bias. We all like that. Yeah. If, if you want to follow in his footsteps and just ride his coattails, buy Berkshire stock, which is really cheap right now and trading at a historically low multiple. Maybe not the lowest, but it's a very attractive time to buy. So you get all the benefits of the sweetheart deals that he's getting at a very good price. Uh, Buffett also talked about housing. He had uh, previously predicted that the housing market was going to turn around. Um, it hasn't. And uh, this morning on CNBC, uh, Buffett said that Berkshire's housing-related companies are in a depression, that's his word, depression, with no evidence of improvement coming. Um, that's, Welcome to 2011, yeah. Warren Buffett. <laughs> um, now, Lowe's uh, reported earnings earlier this morning. The stock is, is up this morning as a result of some pretty good earnings. But I have to believe that if you're a shareholder in a company like Home Depot or Sherwin-Williams or just any of these sort of housing-related companies, that's got to be depressing to hear Warren Buffett say, essentially, it's not getting better anytime soon. Well, from the guy who is always like, I'm going long the U.S. economy, you know, we are an innovative country, we will pull, pull through and all that. Yeah, that's kind of shock. Joe? Oh, yeah, totally. But I still think if you look at Lowe's and Home Depot, I, I think they're both great businesses that have a lot of upside over three to five years. Like, they're trading at mid-teens multiples against depressed earnings. I mean, not a lot has to go right here. Basically, nothing could go right. Like, we don't have an improvement in housing or construction. And basically, you're buying these well-run companies with nice little moats at fair prices. And three to five years out, you know, I don't know what a housing turn is going to happen. It's probably going to take that long. But when it does, you see the bottom lines on these companies pop in a big way and the shares will go with them. To what extent, and I'm going to direct this to you, Joe, because you you are the, again, you're the buffetologist in the room. Um, to what extent do you discount Warren, Buff, uh, Warren Buffett's pronouncements about things like the housing market, the U.S. economy? Because it seems like to me anyway, to a small degree, he is at times a cheerleader. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it almost seems like those kind of comments should be discounted slightly. Do you do do that? I listen, but I do discount it. He is a bit of a cheerleader, and I think he's also, at this point, an elder statesman in the economy. Mm -hmm. And I think he probably, to some degree, feels some weight on his shoulders with that. I mean, if he were to come out and be like, we're panicking, man, (laughs) like everyone would freak out, and rightly so. Um, Yeah, but I think at the same time, when you look at his track record and his ability to correctly predict major 
uh, events in the economy and just the way that he's so level-headed and long view oriented Mm -hmm. that yeah you should listen to him and anyone who you know automatically blows him off i would say is making a a pretty big mistake that doesn't mean you should you know follow him trade for trade or take everything he says not not necessarily at face value but you should critically evaluate it yourself uh, uh, I'm not uh, suggesting that Warren Buffett listens to market foolery, but I have no reason to believe that he does not. So I, it's one of those things I can't prove <laughs> either way. So, um, but to the extent that that uh, what we say in this room gets uh, filtered to Mr. Buffett, let's just uh, let's just start thinking about his next buy. Charlie, I'll start with you. Do you have a recommendation a a stock that you think looks like it fits the Buffett mold that you think he should be looking at if he's not already? I'm going to cheerlead my own stock here. Okay, <laughs> smart man, smart man. <laughs> Talk my own book. Uh, he should go into Microsoft. It's really? it's got the size, despite the friendship with Gates. Well, yeah, you might have to find a new bridge partner, but that's that's <laughs> not that hard. Uh, so it's you know a very large company. He could put a 10 billion stake into it without much difficulty. It's a wide moat business. Uh, they're doing a lot of great things, and it's the stock's cheap at you know ten or eleven times earnings. I think it's a perfect fit, and he's he's kind of broke the ice with IBM. So now it's time to take the next step. Joe, what do you think? I would say Costco because it's a great long view business, very well run. Uh, Charlie Munger loves Jim Senegal, and I believe he's on the board at Costco. Yep. Uh, great ties there, but Costco is a big bite for them, so I don't think they could swallow it whole. Although you know I'd love to see that happen, and I think Jim Senegal, who's so in love with his business and would like to hand it off in a way that it's permanently secure would like to see that but i don't think it'll will i think visa and mastercard could be two interesting ones speaking of talking your own book i own visa (laughs) um yeah i mean two great businesses that are riding a long-term tailwind uh, very sticky revenue bases that are growing um overall very capital light spending back a lot of cash I think they both have excellent long-term prospects. They fit nicely in there, and Berkshire does own some MasterCard. Not a ton of it, though. Presumably, it's through the position that Todd Combs, one of the two guys he's hired to run money underneath him, has has taken up a stake in. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kept picking up a lot more, at least just through that channel. All right. Joe Maker, Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. You can check out the videos of Market Foolery and Motley Fool Money at FoolTV.com. That's www.FoolTV.com. For those of you who actually want to see what we look like, I know because we've gotten a couple of emails, there are people who just said thanks but no thanks, and that's fine. But in case people- you're wondering, are Charlie and I wearing the same shirts? today? Yes, we are. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, you are. Uh, Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.